Welcome to the Rumple and the Frog Show for Stitchers. I'm Rumple. And I'm the Frog, providing you with an enchanting escape of Stitches and Stories. We're so glad you've joined us for fairy tales, fiber tales, and conversation about our most favorite thing. Yarn. Yarn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In this episode, we are seeing double. Oh. Double vision. Yeah. Uh, yes, but in a good, good way. Mm-hmm. Um, before we do dive into our theme of doubles, though, let's talk. Let's stalk. Let's stalk something. I'll stalk yarn all day long. <laughs> I think I do. <laughs> let's, all day let's do it. <laughs> if anyone really saw my tabs, they would know. <laughs> anyway, tell. what I meant to say is let's start with a conversation about what we're stitching. Why don't you go first, Excellent. Rumps? You've got a lot going on. I want to hear about these things. Give me an well, update. Oh, I have, here, I'll show you. I've continued to work on my uniform, this jumble. Nice. And I am now at the point where I have to divide. Oh, look at that. Good for progress. the sleeves. Mm-hmm. And I can't do that until I finish some other projects because the needles I need mm. are in other projects that uh, I'm actively working on. Yes, the which old is, release the needle problem. Which is okay though, because these other projects, which I can't discuss because they're top secret for the moment. Mm, awesome. <laughs> I love that. Um, both are being worked on the same size needle and I have those, it, I have two sets of the same size needle and they're both taken up right now. Yep. So those are more urgent to complete anyway. That's right. So the uniform sweater that I've been working on, and again, that is in... Um, Quince and Co. Owl Tweet. Mm-hmm. I think it's color Buffalo Plaid. Anyway, um, that's basically just going to rest until I free the other needles yep. from these other mystery projects. I can't wait to hear about those. Which, yeah, I'm. they're, they're exciting and fun. And only one will get to live in my house, if that's any clue uh, to anyone. Mm-hmm. Are you doing so, a test knit? No. But store I, sample? No, I'll just tell you gift. Oh, okay. that's all I can say in case someone listens to this who might know who this is for. I understand. All very cryptic. Understood. Um, I think I understand perfectly. Good. So, until, so this is going to motivate you to get through that project and yes. on time, which is yes. wonderful. Yeah, and those have that has a very specific deadline, which isn't too far away. So. Mm. No matter what, those needles will be free yep. in the near future. Yep. Um, and once those projects are off the needles, I can share with them. Share Great. So that's one thing I've been working on. Um, and I've been working on my dolls. Yes, I've been following on Instagram. So, and I showed you my little in progress. Yes. My so little pattern test too. Listeners, this is very exciting. Amy, mm-hmm. my lovely little froggy. <laughs> she is. Uh, test sewing, mm-hmm. uh, my Wolver Wolf doll pattern, and she's going to let me know what I need to make better <laughs> for people who would want to follow the pattern. So that is happening, which is really fun. And, um, I'm going to show you this Wolfie I completed Beep. a little cape and this Love one. It is jointed. Yeah. Cool. With button joints. Neato. And the thing that I love the most is her cape is Tunisian crochet. <laughs> it's lovely. Lovely. Which 
I am obsessed with this two-tone Tunisian crochet technique right now. That's neat. So and two-tone is perfect for doubles. Oh my gosh, totally planned that. Oh man. <laughs> Your Wolver Wolf dolls are so cute and you've been working on them every every day. So committed. Yes. I love it. Just a little bit, if not a lot. And that's good. And then this other Wolfie I'll show you that is very different than the Wolver Wolf. It's a sitting Wolfie. Yes, he is cute. And I like the stitching on the back. Yeah, I do too. Very so, artistic. The little tracks are so, yeah. the surface design is neat. Neato. Yeah, so that's been, that's been good. And good. I'm enjoying that. Good. But I think you have an update for us on something. No. I do. So in our singles episode, I talked about swatching the Noro Ito and the color way rain dance. And I had mm -hmm. plans for this asymmetrical sweater pattern. Um, wasn't sure if I was going to follow through with that because I wasn't sure I loved the gauge that I was getting. Yeah. And adapting it would have been somewhat challenging because my only complaint of the pattern is that it's not really size inclusive. It's just sort of shoots a middle with a small medium Yeah. or somebody's middle. <laughs> with a small medium anyway <clears throat> after steaming it out though once i went a little further got off the needle steamed it out i decided i was happy with the gauge was, that the fabric was working so i'm really almost done i have a couple inches left on the last sleeve awesome and they're pretty short because it's a little bit of a drop shoulder so those sleeves mm -hmm. are actually kind of short and then i will seam the shoulders and do the neck back and forth Okay. Seam it closed at the neck opening, and then I'll grab the bottom hem once everything is seamed, and it has a nice, uh, you know, like a ribbing, yeah, trim on it. But it has that the pieces of the sweater already had short row shaping, so it has curves in the front and back, and it's high low as well. So it's got a lot of Whoa. lot going on. But what I wanted to show you, I don't know if this is possible, but this is the bottom half of yeah. the front. I love those colors. It's so beautiful. I know it is cool. And then if I can hold this up, I'm just going to kind of like origami this together if I can. Well, hold it. Hey, up. we're going to talk about origami later. Really? Yeah, really. Cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm trying to, this is hard to do because it's not pinned, but just to give you an idea, I'll just overlap it and hold it up. So these two curved seams, these two Have pieces, to come together. so they'll come together so that the self-striping that's happening in the Noro is now mm -hmm. multi-directional mm -hmm. and you get sort of like a shoulder to waist crescent yeah. cut because of short row shaping and increasing and all kinds of fun things. So it's a quick knit because of the weight and gauge. And then the shaping is just really fun. There's just, just, yeah. just beautiful, thoughtful curves everywhere that make it feel tailored. So awesome. Yeah. So while it might be kind of like a one size fits most pattern, mm -hmm. um, and that wasn't my favorite, I still really appreciate just the detail of a curved hem in the front, a curved hem in the back. And even the front hem has a little upwards arc and then the eee. back hem has a downwards arc. So it's very clever. So awesome. Has a lot I can't going wait for to it. see it as you put it together and then can wear it. Yeah. And I had called you for a little advice on seaming with singles and yeah. you gave me some good advice about, um, good. you know, the length of yarn and all that. So I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. Yes, that's my update. Awesome. Well, tell me about your spinning. It looks like you've been doing some spinning also. Yes. And I saved this one special for today. For doubles. Double two, trouble. Two ply. Yay. Um, and that this, is really pretty. It is really beautiful. And it, I wish you could feel this because it is 
It feels so good. It's not merino soft, but it is so soft. Like there's a different softness to it. It's like, how do I explain it? I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> it's it's like skin to it's next to skin soft. So I could totally make something that was next to my skin to wear. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was a braid that I had gotten from Banshee Fiber Art mm-hmm. um, through on Etsy, and it is Polworth, mm-hmm. which is a cross bead cross breed it's not a cross bead uh <laughs> a cross breed sheep that comes from or originated in australia and i am really excited about this one i had never spun with polworth before and now that i have i'm i'm excited to try it again um and one of the things i'm doing this year like one of my spinning goals is to try spinning with a variety of different sheep fibers. Um, So I've spun with this one and next episode, we'll talk about a different one that I spun with. That's a different breed. But uh, my hope is that by trying at least a handful of different breeds, I'm going to discover what I might like to spin enough for a sweater's worth. Right. Before I dive into that, because that's going to be an investment, not only of money, but mm-hmm. of my time. And right. I really want to be happy with the choice I make mm-hmm. um, for a sweater's worth of hand spun wool. <laughs> yeah. That's um, a quite the an whole added chapter to the process. That's very yeah. intensive and very intimate. So yeah. Yeah. So make sure you've, you know how it will behave, right? You know what went into the twist, Yep. you know exactly what you're going to get out of it. So it's like you're doing yeah. research before you make the thing. Exactly. So I love that. I get to have some fun along the way, which yeah. that's what this has been. Um, Those colors are great. I'm seeing like a almost like a dove gray and a lilac and a yeah. Green. It's hard. Very it's springy. so hard to like convey what colors these are. But yes, there's like a lilacy purple that fades, and I would say it's like a very extremely pale gray if you want to even call it gray right white and then golds oh it's gold Um, okay and the golds are really varied heavily there's some really i don't even know my light is just so i need to get my other light there's some bright golds but then there's some like bronzy gold yeah pretty it doesn't translate well through my camera right now but and did it's you really... card those colors in or was that the braid of the fiber that you know so this was a hand-dyed braid got it that I did not I just pulled and spun I got didn't it. card it or do other things with it because I really just wanted to see what I was going to get without right. messing with things right um if I'm I'm if I'm gonna blend my own fibers I'll usually use solids put them together and blend them that way yeah um, at least that's what I enjoy doing but this was hand dyed braid and I think I'll talk more about banshee fiber arts later okay I have to remember hang on a second yes so we'll talk more about where I got that yarn or okay. blah, 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 fiber later sure. um 
And then something else that I thought would be interesting for our listeners is, and this is a little out of place, but too bad. <laughs> it's all good. So I want to hear it. This is an S-twist yarn, which mm-hmm. um, is, is counterclockwise. And S-twisted fibers play actually a significant role in folklore and have nice. been used and are used for magic rituals and medicinal purposes by shamans healers and sorcerers no way i suppose a z-twist for some reason yes um hmm. i don't know why <laughs> but hmm. the s-twist is of particular uh importance and that is something that i'd have to research more i didn't really find the reason behind this i don't mm-hmm. know if it's something to do with how things flow maybe i'm yeah. not really sure Interesting. But I thought I would just share a couple of the quick little tidbits about that. Um, So S-twist yarn charms uh, have been used as love protection and accident prevention charms. Cool. They could also be used to help get rid of an enemy. And Hmm. you could have just made your enemy really sick or even cause death, (laughs) apparently. Hmm. And then one other little thing or a couple other little bits medically related are that S-twist yarns are said to be effective against rheumatism Hmm. and to help women who are having a difficult pregnancy. Very intriguing. I just thought that Hmm. was fun to share for our, our, uh, my hand spun S-twist yarn. I like that. Yeah. I'm so curious. I'm curious about that. I want to know more. Well, if you Mm. stumble upon something before I do, please tell me. Yeah, I will. (laughs) I will. So, yeah. So that's what I've got going on right now. And uh, I think think that brings us into our next Once Upon a Time. Yeah. Should we dive in? Let's do it. You've got some really... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like double dipping. Double dipping. <laughs> Bad. Double dipping. Oh, my goodness. Oh. All right. But you've got so, some good stuff here. I went, I nerded out a little bit because I was I really did. excited about this. So, in our theme of doubles, mm-hmm. um, and in our prep for, you know, the research we would do before, so we knew you would go for double headed. <laughs> oh, I totally did. Yeah. We knew that you would take that. <laughs> magical path of interesting creatures and lore and things like that. But, um, I really had already had it on my mind, some questions I already had about the idea of doubling with yarn. So, Mm -hmm. um, and I like all things double with yarn, whether it's, you know, working with two colors or knitting with two hands or anything like that. So it was already sort of on my mind and I was already challenged by working with some yarn in my own stash that I was trying to and maybe achieve a different gauge by carrying them double. Mm-hmm. So this was something that was kind of already on my mind. And then I just went, you know, little fiber nerd when I had the opportunity. So you here's what happened. I went all Amy on it. <laughs> so here's the thing, doubling yarn. So when you hold yarn double, obviously it's going to change your gauge. Yeah. Because in what we mean by this is that instead of knitting with one strand of the yarn, you would actually carry from either both ends of the cake, possibly pulling say from inner and outer to double the amount of actual yarn or just two strands from two different cakes. It doesn't matter how you do it. Yeah. But the idea being that you are actually holding 
the working yarn is actually working yarns and you're yeah. carrying two at a time. And you might even get really creative and have some kind of really neat design or textural element because you're combining say mohair with merino and you're mm -hmm. trying to add a halo or or loft or something like that yeah. but i just went for just initially i just wanted to know what's up with carrying the two and yeah. what can i expect will happen mm -hmm. because maybe just maybe <laughs> at this point in my life and my stash i have quite a lot of yarn remnants no Yes. Um, <laughs> in some of the very happy sort of workhorse yarns that we go to a lot mm -hmm. and the ones that come in really rich and deep colorways where there are so many colors, you really can kind of collect. And I even keep them together in my stash bin. Right. So yeah. for example, like, um, you know, all the LRA is in one spot, all the cascade 220 is yeah. in one spot, all the Valley yarns, Northampton, which is basically cascade 220, a different way is they're <laughs> all in the same spot. And so I have all of this yarn. So I was wondering in my search for the right yarn to suit some products, re projects recently that are bulky, I started to yeah. think, aha, maybe I can bust up some stash yarn yeah. by holding it double. Excellent. At which point I confronted a really nerdy math problem. <laughs> so here's what I want people to know. <clears throat> First of all, you have to swatch this. Obviously, yeah. we believe in swatching. Swatching mm -hmm. is best. Mm -hmm. um, but I was intrigued because it really makes sense if you ask most knitters, okay, let's say you have this yarn and you're getting 10 stitches per inch and you carry it double. How many mm -hmm. stitches per inch do you think you will get? less <laughs> yes yeah, something less right so if we make our working yarn that we're working with thicker yeah we expect bigger stitches and fewer stitches per inch yeah but there are a lot of blogs and websites and tips and tricks and calculators out there that will suggest that you should just cut that in half really that not much? true oh it's okay yeah it's i was gonna say much. really because that okay Right? Anyway, you're going to so tell us about this. Right. And then people start thinking, okay, well, I only have half as much. I'm only going to get half as much out of it because, because they're carrying yarn from both ends on the same cake, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to bust through that yarn in half the length of time, which is true. And half the length of the cake, they'll be completed with it because they have to hold it double. Right. Okay. Right? So something in their brain says, therefore the gauge will be half. Right. But that's, but that's not, not true. Okay. Right. That's Which not does make sense to me, but I want to hear more about right. The so why. I'm thinking like I'm thinking of like the a less experienced knitter who's looking at his or her stash and she's saying, okay, well, this is five stitches per inch. So if I carry it double, I'm going to get 2.5. It's like an almost an immediate math thing you do in your mind mm -hmm. that doesn't apply to this situation. So basically, what's happening when you double your yarn and why you can't just cut your stitch per inch gauge in half when anticipating yeah. the result of doubling it is because what you're dealing with isn't length you're dealing with area. Yeah. Yep. And because you're dealing with area, you're dealing with units that should have been considered squared. Okay. Now I know now we're getting into mathy math. <laughs> no, because <laughs> yeah. any area is something squared, right? Square feet, square inches, yeah. square millimeters. Just think length times width gives you something squared. Okay. So the unit of measurement when we're considering area rather than just simple length is always squared. Okay. That's always true. Okay. <laughs> I'm taking your word for this. Take my word for it. <laughs> so 
you, instead of cutting this thing in half because you're doubling the thickness, right? What we need to divide by, and I won't go into the whole mathy, mathy, mathy reason why, but what you have to divide by is the square root of two rather than just two. Oh, so there's like a formula yeah. for this. <laughs> it's like a geometry problem. Oh my gosh. I know it's so fun. And I, awesome. I believe me, I, I love I, that there's a formula to do this and like, you don't have to start just from scratch every time you want to do this then. Right. Right. So right. I'm going to give you the, a formula that I believe should work. Okay. Okay. But I am going to assume that you're holding double the same yarn. I'm not talking about combining right. a lace weight with a bulky just for funsies. Right. Definitely. I'm saying, wow, you have a lot of cascade 220. How about you hold that double? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So take that and assume that as a uh, part of the, our data. The framework. Okay. That's the framework. Okay. So instead of dividing your stitch per inch gauge by two, when you're doubling your yarn, you want to divide it by the square root of two. Which is? Which is the same as dividing it by 1.4, which is the same as multiplying times 0.7. Trust me. <laughs> I'm going to trust you because you're, yeah, the, psh, yeah. I'm the gone. square root of two <laughs> happens to be 1.4, but okay. that doesn't matter. What matters is that when you math this out, another way to think of it inversely from that division, which is annoying, is just multiply times 0.7. So for, I think your <laughs> average listener of our podcast, I hope will understand that if you multiply by 0.7, okay. you're just suggesting that you want to know what 70% is. Okay. Does that help? I'm a little, I'm a little more on track now that. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So I'm whatever good. your <laughs> stitch gauge was, imagine that as a hundred percent. When you hold something double, it should be about 70% of okay. that or multiply times 0.7, which is the same as divided by the square root of two. Okay. Who cares? So <laughs> I tested it. I tested this out. I love it. Okay. So I have a swatch of wool of the Andes from nitpick sport weight. I picked, I tried to pick like actually on purpose, like big box, big company yarns. Cause I thought maybe a lot of listeners would have a lot of that sure. in their stashes. And it's also something you wouldn't mind sort of playing with. Cause it's, you know, it's not luxury yarn necessarily. It's, it's economically priced it's economical workhorse yarn. So yeah. I had this old swatch cause I was thinking about a sweater back in the day Ooh. that never happened. Okay. And I, when I did this, I held it single on a size four. Okay. And I got a uh, 5.75 stitches per inch. All right. And if you want to follow in the notes, I actually charted this out for you there down oh, there. Hang on. I'm looking. Oh yeah. I wasn't looking cause I'm looking at your swatching, but now I'm, sure. I'm there. Okay. All right. Then. So when I hold two strands of wool of the Andes sport, mm -hmm. According to this math, if I multiply 5.75 stitches per inch times 0.7, my anticipated stitch gauge now is just about four stitches per inch. Okay. So I did it. And what just, happened? I got four stitches per inch. That's amazing. And this well, look time, how cool that is. I know. And this time I carried uh, an orange and a green just for funsies. So you could really awesome. see it. Um, so your formula worked. So my formula worked. I love this. This is amazing. I feel I know. like this is, we will have to make sure we put the formula in the notes. Yes. And I will link to the website that really helped me get started on this. Okay. There's a paradise fibers blog oh, that really I love paradise fibers. She really explains it. Unfortunately, she links to something called the knitting fiend, another really mathy blog post that's down. 
Oh, so, uh-huh. which was really sad, but I took from paradise fiber. So I want to credit her. And then honestly, it's a, I'm a high school teacher. So you know what I did? I called three different math teachers in the last 36 hours to figure this out. That makes me very happy that yeah. you have those people that you can <laughs> call and confirm knitting questions yeah. with, even though maybe I have they're those not knitters. people <laughs> in my life. Um, awesome. And you know, another thing I wanted to say about it too, that I, people should probably think about is when you're counting stitches per inch and you're looking through your knit check or you're looking through your gauge, you're not counting length of yarn. Mm-hmm. That's not what you're counting. You're counting some distance traveled through the diameter yeah. of the yarn repeatedly. So on that note of diameter of yarn, something I want to point out that maybe some people have noticed and maybe they haven't is imagine you're holding like you said, yarn double, two Mm -hmm. strands together. That's stacked. That's right. Which creates no longer a smooth round yarn. That's right. Which there's nothing wrong with that. But that's something to keep in mind because your stitches could behave differently. That's right. And then something else to consider is if you really wanted to do three strands held together or four, right? Again, you're going to change the behavior of how that yarn works up. Even if it's the same yarn all held together, that's right. The way it's going to drape and things like that will be altered to some degree. And I'm curious yes. in your two swatches you have, so true. do you feel anything yep. different about Definitely. how they drape and things like yes. that? Yes. In fact, I was talking, I was explaining that to one of the math teachers. She <gasps> was saying, why, you know, why this versus that? Or she said, well, what would happen if you just had the appropriate yarn, the appropriate uh-huh. gauge yarn, and you just carried, you were just drawing one strand at the appropriate gauge Yeah. for this bigger gauge, right. Or the fewer stitches print. And I said, I would have a much lovelier fabric than this. I said, this is a little (laughs) annoying. It's a little stiff. It's bulky. Yeah. Um, also as you're drawing the yarn, you can't guarantee whether it will overlap, remain parallel, twist with itself. And that's why I want to definitely put in our show notes, these photos. And there are tricks to that, by the way. Okay. Then you definitely chime in there when I get to tips and tricks. Cause I would love to know know those. I don't know. I don't remember them, but if we can find the links to that, remind me. Um, okay. I have good. read that there's a way to hold the yarn to get one dominant and one like kind of in the background. That's fascinating. So okay, because I think you know, because a marled yarn, for example, speaking of the theme of doubles, is a yarn that's plied with two different plies. Yeah. Right. That are creating beautiful, a uniformly beautiful two colored yarn. Yeah. Right. Or yarn incorporating two colors uniformly. Usually Mm -hmm. this creates marling when I carry two different colors together, but look how irregular it is. Yeah. Which I really love. It's fun. It's fun. But if somebody thought it was just going to look like that the whole time. No, no, but I do, I I do think there's a way to control that. I'm fairly certain. Um, we'll have to add that to our list. I think I've read about it, but I don't remember the mechanics of it, I guess. Right. Anyway. So, yeah. So I think a yarn at the appropriate gauge, you can make more educated guesses as to the, how the fabric and final look will behave. Although yeah. in terms of like stash busting, this is super fun to try yeah. and yeah. the math really works. And I wanted to be sure. So I tried it twice. <laughs> <laughs> oh my 
gosh. Okay. <laughs> so then, so do, so you used a different yarn. Yep. So sample two, okay. I'll just go quickly is the Valley yarns, Northampton. It's white. Sorry. It's a classic oh, worsted. Yeah. Okay. So I did it on the suggested size seven and I got, and by the way, I'm also an on gauge knitter. So I'm a good person to oh, do this because I'm second. absolutely on gauge. So you are changing, we should say in case this wasn't obvious, you're changing the size needle you're working on when you yes. double. Okay. And I'll talk I don't about that remember too. if we brought that up or not. Yeah. So in okay. the first example, I went single yarn on a four. And then when I held double, I went up to an eight. Okay. And then on this one, and I'll explain why I made those choices too. And then this one is a size seven of the ball band calls for. It anticipates five stitches per inch. That's what I got. And you're good. I'm really lucky with that way, by the way, I'm almost always exactly on the ball band. That's crazy. Good for you. So by doing the math, (laughs) if you take five and either divide by the square root of two, which is the same as multiplying times 0.7. Yes. The anticipated new stitch gauge will be three and a half stitches per inch. And what did happen for you? That is exactly what happened. My gosh. And I know I'm sort of cheated. I didn't get that as far as I wanted, but you can see. That's all right. So, but let me ask you, how do you know what size needle or how did you choose what size needle to go up to? Is that where, am I jumping ahead? You are the perfect segue or rumple. It's like you were born to do this podcast with me. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. Cause right. I, so in that case, I started on a seven as the ball band called for, and then I jumped up to a 10.5. How did I know? Yes. How did I know to do that? I didn't, I did not know. Okay. (laughs) So here's what happened. The first time I got lucky, I had a feeling my two sport weight would make a sort of heavy worsted or Aaron. Mm -hmm. So I decided to go eight because I didn't want to do seven. I didn't want to do none. Yeah. And wow, it looks beautiful. And the math worked. Excellent. So you know what I did just for funsies? What? I calculated the ratio of the needle gauge on the eight compared to the four. My gosh. Yeah. This is beyond me. (laughs) All it means is this, whatever millimeters there are in a four and whatever millimeter there is on an eight. I don't remember because I'm not looking at my knit check. Yeah. Uh, the eight was about 40% bigger. It was like 1.4 times bigger. So you know what I did? I don't know what you did. (laughs) <laughs> the second sample, when I did what the ball band called for on the seven, then I calculated the anticipated stitch. I was like, which needle should I choose? Yeah. I thought, mm, let me go up about 40%. Okay. So and I took the millimeter to gauge of the seven. Yeah. Multiplied times 1.4, took that new that's millimeter so gauge. And I thought I looked at my knit check and I go, that's about a 10.5. So I'm going to go with that. Well, and it worked. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So I made a note at the bottom. So you can see, and I'll put this all in our show notes. Yeah. So Excellent. I observed, okay. So I observed that the needle gauge was jumping up when doubling about 40 to 50%. So when selecting a needle size, just multiply the diameter times 1.4, 1.5 to get a new diameter and then select that needle. Will this always work? And then I wrote in my notes, no idea, but it works <laughs> both of these times. <laughs> it works a hundred percent of the time yeah. in this scenario. Yeah. <laughs> so those are, that's pretty good. Yeah. I have a oh feeling that in the spectrum of yarn, the finer you go, mm-hmm. right? The light, 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 lighter you go. And mm-hmm. then the chunky, 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 heavier, fat, fat, fatty you go. These things may not hold true, but for yarns, like, you know, from like DK to Aaron doubling in the mid range weights of yarn, I bet yeah. this will generally hold true. Cool. 
But when you get to the ends of the spectrum, things could, you know, be quite different. They could be on the fringe, but I think this will work. Awesome. So there you have it. Um, I love it. Yeah. So, uh, I'm then busy. I know. Should I just keep plowing through? Yeah. I want to hear more. Okay. So then the next thing I did was I wanted to do, so the one thing, so I wanted to chase down the things I had heard about doubling your yarn. Right. So the one I had heard was, you know, how can you anticipate your stitch gauge? So we've just solved that problem. Yes. Check. Also (laughs) PS I'll put a lot of resources in our show notes. There are a lot of people with lovely charts that already have done this for you. Fabulous. And some of them are just really simple. Like, you know, two sport is worsted. Okay. Some of them are just in terms and that are easy to digest and no numbers at all. So, um, but I, one thing I wanted to do was a cost benefit analysis. I wanted to amazing by the way. Well, I just wanted to see if I were to buy a sweater's worth in the appropriate weight and gauge, would it be cheaper, more expensive, or the same than achieving that gauge with doubling yarn in a lighter weight? Okay. Because it, because I think people would immediately think, oh my gosh, if you have to double the yarn, it's going to cost twice as much. That would be my gut reaction. (laughs) Yep. In most cases, without like thinking about anything else, I would think, well, it's probably going to cost more, but right. then I would start thinking, well, maybe not depending on all these other factors. Right. But I want to hear what you found out. Yeah. Cause it depends on like the put up of okay. the yarns that you're doubling. How many yards are actually in that skein mm-hmm. anyway? How many yep. skeins are you going to have to buy? Right. And all of that. So to make this easy, I, and I wanted to recommend this because every knitter should have this anyway. And I'm sure you have one. Do you have one of, uh, Ann Bud's knitters handy guide to yarn requirements? I do not, but I am quite familiar with it. Yeah. This is like a laminate pamphlet that has common garments, mittens, gloves, socks, sweater, vests, and listed in sizes and suggested requirements of yarn by gauge. And it's in most local yarn shops, usually where you check out. It's one of those fun things that you see near the register that you should buy. And if you Um, didn't know it existed and you see it, you're like, this exists. Yes. It's amazing. (laughs) It is really, really handy. Um, so what I did was I used her chart Mm -hmm. for a sweater's worth of yarn, kind of like near my size, essentially. Okay. So, and I did two, I did the math on two. So basically if I wanted to make a sweater out of wool of the Andes worsted, yes, which has about 110 yards per 50 gram skein at $3.50 50 per skein, blah, blah, blah. Right. You figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, I would need about $42 worth of yarn for about okay. 1300 yards. All right. If I were to do that exact same project, and wool of the Andes sport holding it double, mm-hmm. which is the same amount of money, also 350 per 50 gram skein, but the put up is longer, 137 yards. And then I calculated how many skeins I would need. But then here's the trick. Then I have to double that. Yes. Um, it came out to 19 skeins of that, which was about $66 and 40 cents. So is it double the cost? No, no, but it is more. Right. But it is more. And I did the same thing with Valley. I went and I looked at, um, 
this is from webs like a valley yarn superwash bulky that gives you a nice three three and a half stitches per inch mm-hmm. say you need a thousand yards okay so it was going to be about 104 dollars okay that same sweater if i wanted to make it by holding worsted weight double mm-hmm. um same yardage the whole thing to figure that out it was going to be about 133 dollars okay so we're not actually, I'm finding that it does not double your cost to do it in yarn held double. Yeah. But it, I am finding it is indeed more expensive. Well, so here's a thought then on this idea of holding things doubled to get a thicker yarn. Mm-hmm. As you have mentioned... And how most of us yarn-loving folk will know, we all have some yarn in our stash left over from old projects. Mm-hmm. So let's say I'm gonna pretend I want to make I want to knit a sweater that is bulky, and I am not going to buy a sweater's worth of bulky yarn. But I can go through my stash and pull together, let's just say almost enough, but all I need is one skein mm-hmm. to finish right. having enough. If you were to go that resourceful route, right, then in the end, it would be cheaper. That's right. Only, but I mean, that's like, you know, you really have to stash dive thoroughly. Yes. And plan accordingly. Um, and if your yarns aren't all the same brand or whatever, you may have to like accept that the fabric characteristics change throughout the whole piece. But right. if it's the difference between buying one skein of yarn versus 12 skeins or 20. Right. I mean, then that is definitely cheaper because you've already purchased or already have all the other yarn. That's right. That's right. That's just another scenario that I'll put out there into all our stash hoarding listeners. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, (laughs) and I think, you know, another way to think about this is maybe what I've learned here is the really ideal way to play with holding yarns double. Mm Mm-hmm is actually some of those lovely cowls, hats, and other ideas where it really is a lace weight, like silk mohair, luxury, Mm -hmm. crazy fuzzy thing that you buy one of, Mm -hmm. and you hold it with something else luxurious and combine these two textures together and you make a hat or a towel or a neck warmer. And I think it's the small scale projects where it's just the joy of seeing what happens Yeah. when you put, you know, these things together. I, that's one thing I noticed a lot in the blogs that I read, there was a lot of advice about combining Mm -hmm. different fibers and different weights. So the math nerdery was fun, but it seems (laughs) like in the world of design, it's more interesting to consider, gosh, what will happen if I have a hundred percent silk mm-hmm. fingering weight yarn and I combine that right yeah. with an Aaron weight cashmere blend. Yeah. And it I makes mean, a very interesting effect throughout my hat. You know, that is a really much more interesting way, I think, to look at doubling yarn. So, and I think that's such a great way 
to use your time and resources yeah, to even discover yeah. if that's something you would want to try on a larger scale or not. And maybe like just doing it on the the scale of a hat is plenty and you're happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for anybody who is curious, I mean, obviously the internet is overflowing with things overflowing. like this, but um, Stephen West is mm-hmm. the person I know who holds two yarns together for numerous things. So that would be a good place to look if you're curious about seeing some finished garments. Um, that's the first one that came to the top of my mind. But anyway. Yeah. I love and it. I think too amazing. that people have also very generous yardage of fingering and sock weight yarn. So that's another thing yeah. I wanted to suggest is that souvenir skein that you have that, you know, 600 yard hand dyed mm-hmm. silk and merino gorgeousness that you're like one day I'll make the most amazing shawl and then you don't yes um <laughs> uh, you know if you wind that into a cake and pull from both ends and achieve a different weight imagine the quick and beautiful cowl the yeah. hat and mitts and it's all coordinating beautifully because it was hand dyed anyway so those are ways to bust through I think those yeah. fingering weight yarns that you have so that feel like one of a kind mm-hmm. and you, and then you get intimidated by knitting at such a light weight, maybe double that thing and make a hat. Yeah. Um, and, and I enjoy and love the thing that you loved. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> I'll put into an our show notes, um, a blog post from tin can knits where she talks about mm-hmm. the beauty of single skein sock yarn and doubling it. And she even adapts some of her own patterns oh, cool. for free to do that. Awesome. Man, Tin Can Nance is just awesome. Yeah. She's a really cool um, textural cabled hat called the Antler Toke. Ooh. And um, it's free. And she mentions it as a worsted weight textured hat that why not just carry your souvenir sock yarn kind of double yeah. and make the same hat. And so, you know, she offers that as a way to achieve it without using a worsted weight. So things like that. So those are some cool things that I wanted to, to suggest. So man, that's so good. That's yeah. There was a lot of really yummy things in there. Yeah. And I think you've got some tips and tricks, right? I do. I think we, I think we've actually covered a lot of it kind of just in our chit chat, which is great. Um, so I will put in our show notes, a uh, blog by a woman named Susanna winter, who does the math when you're trying to calculate how much to purchase when you're planning to double mm-hmm. and when they put up, isn't the same. So she mm-hmm. has just great formula. So if like, for example, I keep going to those sort of like lace weight mohair plus Aaron, yeah. and you're in the shop trying to figure it out. And the math gets infinitely harder because yeah. you have two different put-ups. She has, um, some formulas for that like a calculator awesome. for that. So that's great. And I guess the only other thing I really want to mention, um, is my study in doubles. I think Yeah, my work in progress that I want to talk about that really is a study in doubles. So should we do that? Yeah. Uh, okay. we should. <laughs> All right, let's do that. So I'm working on a sweater by Shibui knits called the inscribe. <sighs> Yeah. And I mean, I think I may have mentioned it like in a far, far away episode as a, yes, I think so. Or at thing least that we've talked about it. Okay. I think you've mentioned it on the episode though. It's a really cool sweater. So it's really luxurious fiber. I don't typically knit sweaters in luxurious fibers. Um, I'm just like a wool 
person. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's been fun to experience these. Um, the two yarns that are used are called my M A A I and staccato. And I bet you they're both discontinued because it's been in my stash so long, Oh, which is too bad, but I can show you. It looks lovely. And if you, the, it is discontinued. I'm just looking it up. Yeah. But so one still. is 70, 30, uh, Merino and silk. And the other one is 7030 Merino and Baby Alpaca. Lovely. And the Merino and Silk is this super ultra sock weight with this nice tight twist. Can you see that? Yeah. And then this is so fun. The Baby Alpaca and Merino is a little bigger and has this really cool chain. Oh, yeah. Yep. And you can feel, see how the alpaca is like escaping. <laughs> so yes. you have this sheen from the silk combined with this, I don't know, the fuzzy of yeah. the alpaca. And it's just so the play of the two is great. And I have two weird colors. So that's fun too. <laughs> so I'll hold up my, let's see how it looks. Ooh, cool. So that area is, this is just the bottom oh, up like front that. panel. So this is the broken rib. Yep. And I then broken rib. over here. Oh, is the stocking net. Okay. And can you see how the broken rib is traveling over? So it went from, I'll use my finger from here yeah. to here. And then it's uh, yes. to here. Okay. So you can barely see that. But if you look at the model and the pattern shots, that's one of the things this has going on. That's another double. So first of all, it has <laughs> carrying yarns double in two yes. different ways. The yarns themselves are blends of mm -hmm. two fibers each. So we have the silk and the merino and the other ones, the alpaca and the merino. Then it uses a broken rib pattern, which is a two row repeat. So it's in doubles going up. <laughs> and then the literally legit, the reason why I picked the pattern is because that broken rib pattern every say inch or so, maybe every eight rows, you move your marker over two stitches, another double. Uh -huh. And so it's creating this step like feature yes. across the sweater, which it's, I can only describe it as like a ziggurat. I don't know if other people know what a ziggurat is. It's like a Mesopotamian temple, but it's like a stepwise. <laughs> so you have flat stocking net. Yeah. This broken rib texture. And then it's migrating. Ch -ch -ch -ch. Mm -hmm. It's walking across the sweater on an asymmetrical way to one side. Yeah. And one sleeve has it, the other one doesn't. And then in the Love back, that. it's a very deep V front and back. And then in the deep V one side has it, and then the ah. other doesn't. So it has this really uh, like elegant, sophisticated yeah. surface design to it. Um, and fun. it's like a doubles fest. Everything is in two. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, Happy twos. Yeah. So if you click on the picture of the model, you can really see better how oh, it moves oh i didn't Where's do it. The, yeah i was looking oops Let i mean me i've try. seen this before i'm sure i don't think this is gonna do it justice but, but i'll um, try no hold on hold maybe it, her hold back still. <laughs> i'm gonna hold her back how yes her back? there i can see it better yeah yeah, that's and, really cool. The and then in the chain. front, it ends up on one side and not the other in that really deep V. Yeah. So when I say deep, I mean the V is below. Oh, the yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's like right down to the center of the sweater, I would say. Yeah. Roughly, that looks yep. like. 
So Very one cool. side of the V and that arm will maintain the broken rib. And then the other side of the V and the other arm will not have the broken rib. So it's just super fun. Cool. I love it. I love oh, patterns goodness. that play I'm with texture out. in that way. Such a. <laughs> we should play some doubles tennis. Do you play tennis? I did when I was younger. I went to tennis camp when I was a kid. <gasps> Rumps. It's all coming out. <laughs> doubles. Oh, well, you can be gosh. my doubles partner. I'm not saying I'm good. <laughs> I'm pretty good at net. You can stay and hold the baseline. Oh my gosh. Just tell me what to do and I'll hit the ball whenever I okay. possibly can. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, oh so my that's gosh. my doubles fest. I love it so much. I think that was so great. And man, the calculations that you figured out, I think are ridiculously useful. And if anyone wants to try to plan out their project, that's just crazy helpful. And yeah. Awesome. That Yay. was so good. Good. Very good. Oh my goodness. Well, we should get away from fiber and talk about creatures. Creatures. <laughs> yes. I've seen lots of double headed creatures. Oh my gosh. What did you find? I can't wait. Well, maybe it's just because of who I am, but I feel like I've seen double headed things like my whole life. Hmm. <laughs> Starting with, hang on. When I was younger, we went to Ripley's Believe It or Not. Oh, my god! I think this one that we went to was in Florida, perhaps. I could be mistaken. But I'm going to show you a picture because my dad saved this from I our trip. It. And I'm going to show you a picture of the first double-headed creature I saw that I recall. Okay. The kitten. Oh, and look yeah. at what it's playing with. Yarn. Yarn. Of course it is. So um, double-headed animals are, you know, not common, but they seem super common to me. <laughs> but I think that's because of who I am. Yes. You're programmed to notice them. Yes. So um, before I dive in more, which I actually don't have too much this week, so if the double headed thing creeps you out, you won't have to deal it's with it. It's not going to last long. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so this phenomenon is under the umbrella term polycephaly, meaning an animal that has more than one head. Right. Now, there are more specific terms for depending on the number of heads an animal has, but the blanket term is polycephaly. And this is a real condition. And like I said, it's considered uncommon. But it really does happen a lot. Um, but how does this happen? Like, what the heck? And I'm sure most <laughs> listeners probably can already, you know, picture how this happens. But if anybody's curious, the most basic explanation is that when fraternal twins are developing, they don't fully separate. So depending on how they develop from there, you know, they could be connected at the head, at right. the torso, or maybe somewhere on the back or something like that. So the connection depends on where they, where they stopped separating in the developmental stages. Hmm. Um, so that's like the simplest way to explain it. And aside from in real life, there's lots of legends, mythology, uh, folklore where two-headed beings occur. And really, 
I wasn't kidding when I said I don't have too much for us tonight. It's all good. It's all good. So I'm just going to kind of give you a rundown of the real life animals that have been documented as having two heads. I'm going to start with that. And um, then we have some fun other stuff. Okay. So the list that I could find that has factual real evidence is here's the list of ant creatures. So in addition to humans, mm-hmm. they, we have fish, which includes really big fish like sharks, hmm. uh, cats and dogs, deer, birds, a fruit bat. <laughs> just, just one, one I think. Just the one time. Uh, that I found. I don't know if that's <laughs> true. But uh, at least a fruit bat. Rabbits, sheep, pigs, snakes, turtles, uh, porpoises cattle um and the oldest one a fossilized hyphalosaurus dating back to the cretaceous period cool so those are all documented wait i have a burning question yeah does that mean that all hyphalosauri are double-headed or just the one that ended up found in the fossil this was just the particular this was just the one they found as far as i know Whoa. So what it's are not the chances? like, yeah. What are the odds? And what are the odds of a double-headed, whatchamacallit, and then it getting fossilized <laughs> and then it getting found? Yeah. Crazy. What? But so that this I thought was kind of one of the most interesting. I am searching for in my life. See how hard well, it is to break through. <laughs> the odds are bad. <laughs> odds are bad. That just points out how incredible <laughs> this thing is. And it's, you know, it can so happen cool. to anyone at any time. I mean, not really, but you get my oh idea. My I love this. <laughs> um, so cool. So the, the thing, the other little bit, um, before I move on, I did want to just share because you gave me this fabulous book. Oh my gosh. Just holding it up. I have to look away. Walter look away. Potter's Curious World of Taxidermy. God, I can't believe that this freaks you out. Um, but anyway, in this book, we have. <laughs> it's like looking at a train wreck. I don't want to look, but I can't A two-headed kitten. Yep. That seems to be the most common thing. And then the other one, there's a two-headed, four-winged little ducky. Whoa. Yeah. You didn't look through this book. Shame on you. Okay. So here's the thing. All right. So I was (laughs) uh, antiquing slash picking which is a thing i really love to do when i discovered what is that it's i don't know if you can tell it's pig fetuses that are yes uh, conjoined joined yeah oh my gosh i saw this book and it had to be noelle's <laughs> so i purchased it and i looked That's through amazing. it a little bit that evening and then i had to stop looking through it because it's so full of so many weird taxidermy tableaus and it really is is like like remarkable this is my jam i know it is remarkable but it's also very creepy look at this guy i know she's pointing to a kitten in a like a waistcoat and a suit yeah he's got a grumpy face (laughs) anyway so the the taxidermist what's his name again Walter Potter, no Walter relation Potter. to Beatrix. Beatrix. Yeah, Potter. So um, this guy, separate. he um, he created and and photographed these taxidermy tableaus, essentially this entire yes. scene. So like he created like an entire 
family of squirrels doing anthropomorphic activities like gambling, yeah. smoking, having drinks, chatting in the parlor. Oh, all kinds of things. So yeah. that like gives everyday you a life, sense of the idea. But yeah. animals anthropomorphized yeah. um, in the place of the human. And I mean, they're fun. I mean, to me, they're just, it, they phenomenal. are amazing. They're and amazing. If that kind of thing interests you, I highly recommend looking into his work. Um, and he wasn't the first person who did this, by the way. Right. But uh, I, I think he is maybe one of the most interesting people who did it with a very long career of doing it. Like, yes. he, this was his life's work. It, yeah. it was. Wow. What he did. Um, I don't know. Amazing. I've been, I'm like halfway through the book and just reading about his life has just really been interesting. So very cool. And but. someone like that would be interested in preserving certain oddities. Right. And yes. so that is a source that's source well, material for us to see things like these two headed creatures. And right? so that, yeah. So th the reason he, mounted or you know preserved those animals is because he became so well known for taxidermy that he lived in a place where there were lots of farms mm -hmm. and animals that were born with two heads or some other form of polycephaly depending on where they were joined they typically don't survive very long right. um and you know people would bring them to him after they perished and you know, would you be interested in this? And it was more of just, we have this curious thing. Other people should, you know, know about it, know yeah. about it. And, you know, he preserved that for other people's knowledge in a way, which I have a, an appreciation for that. Um, That's neat. That's so anyway, yeah. Super fun. Cool. And I'm, I'm going to talk more about other two headed things later, but I did want to just touch a little bit on the stuff of lore, legends, and meth. Yeah. Not meth, not math, myth. We are <laughs> word blunderers tonight. No, we've had stalking. <laughs> yeah. Math. Math. Uh, I don't remember the other one, but it's happened multiple times. I think you and I might be fried is what this is. <laughs> I think that might be true. I <laughs> guess. Oh anyway, myth. That oh harbor two-headed. Hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I'm not going to get into great detail. I'm more just going into a quick list like I did with the actual living beings that have two heads. And this is just if anybody's interested. Um, so we have Orthus, the Greek two-headed hound and protector of Geryon's cattle. Mm -hmm. We have Agni, the Hindu fire god who has two heads. Janus from Roman mythology, who is depicted depicted sometimes with two heads, but sometimes four heads. So mm -hmm. I still included that. Yeah. Um, Love that guy. He's one of my favorites. Yeah. Oh, maybe <laughs> we'll have to do an episode on it. We might. Um, we also have the two-headed Russian eagle. Ooh. And oh, I'm going to butcher this name. Nehebko. Sure. Two-headed snake who comes from Egypt, Egyptian mythology. Nice. And then, of course, we have oh, of course. The, the chimera, chimera. Yeah. which this is a little bit of a different two-headed thing because it's depicted and described as having two very different heads. Right. One of a lion and the other of a goat. At least that's the typical representation. <laughs> and bonus, it I has a serpent's note. tail that sometimes the tail, instead of ending as a tail, ends as a head. So sometimes this one could be a three-headed three thing. But I mostly, I guess it's two-headed. And you know, if the snake's tail, this 
tail ends as a snake's head. It's in a totally separate location. Totally. <laughs> so what There's no there? neck. There's not a tie. It doesn't have a neck. That's right. <laughs> oh Excellent. my gosh. So anyway, good. That's so great. That's my little quick list of two-headed strangeness. That I like it. Really interesting. And cool. It makes me wonder though, how many of those two-headed lore legend mythology things were inspired from things people saw saw yeah in their real life i don't know that i find those kinds of things just incredibly fascinating and curious so neat i haven't dived deep into any of those uh mythical two-headed beings so i'd be curious to find out um the true history behind them if we even know enough anyway neato yeah i like it like yeah. it a lot. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is so fun. This theme of doubles, there's so much we can do with this. I mean, we didn't even scratch the surface really of all the ways we could have taken this theme, you know? Yeah, I think uh lucky I think us. There could be a lot more. This fun. But this is good. So oh. do you want to forage? Yes, so I do. Forage? All right, mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> um, okay, the first one I have is a collection I actually haven't purchased myself, but I've been meaning to. Mm. It's a, you know, Nitpicks does these theme-based small collections. Yes. Um, and this one is pretty recent. It's called Better Together Marled Knits. I don't know that I've even heard of this one. And it has a, several patterns, uh, tops, blankets you know, accessories, even a pillow, a cowl hat. I'm looking through the pictures now. I know. Isn't it great? It's a neat hat. I like the, um, the cozy cardigan with the pockets in the hoodie. That's the one I'm on right now. That's very cool. I love the colors that they chose for their sample too. That's great. So this is a nitpicks design team collection. It's uh Oh, look at that. It's on sale right now. Rumps. Heck yeah. Um, but yeah, so just the description says double the impact of your knits by doubling your yarn, hold two or even Boom. three strands of yarn together to achieve unique color and texture effects in 14 awesome. fun patterns. So I think if you're somebody who's interested in stash busting, definitely check that out. And I also wanted to say that there's a relatively new ish feature on Ravelry where you can click to narrow down your search term for Mm. holding two yarns together, which is super duper neato. That's relatively new and very specific, but it's going to turn up some really good finds if that's what you're after. So I wanted to recommend that collection. I love that. Great. That is cool. And that, what a great way to kind of get a quick snapshot of some things you could achieve. Yeah. With holding yarns double. Yeah. Neat. Very cool. I love that. What you got? Well, like I mentioned earlier, um, when I was talking about my hand spun, um, even though this isn't doubles, I did want to recommend Banshee Fiber Art on Etsy because I included the yarn and I really, really love the, uh, the wool I spun. Yeah. It's dyed so beautiful. beautifully. And, you know, when I ordered, I think she's on the West Coast. I might be mistaken. I'm going to look. No, I totally lied. She's in Maryland. I <laughs> totally lied. Uh, I must have ordered something from the West Coast at the same time. Anyway, um, the shipping was super fast, which right now, depending mm-hmm. on where you live, shipping is challenging at times. It is. And this is the thing that I had the most mind-blowing thing. If you're a spinner and you want a really 
wide variety of spinning wools to choose from, but you don't want to look all over the place. Right. Man, you have got to check her out. Wow. She has a great selection, huh? A huge selection of wools to choose from and also blends that have not just um, protein fiber, but cellulose fiber too. Neat. Neat. And just like, it kind of blew me away. Mm -hmm. And I personally really love the colors she's using to dye her fibers with. I think they're really rich and I would say her photographs and what you get are pretty accurate, which Mm -hmm. sometimes can, you know, be tricky. Right. But I would say what you see is pretty much what you get. She does write in her little listings, not her little, in the listings that, you know, she batch dies. So every single one truly is unique. Yeah. But she tries to give a good representation of what you'll be getting. Um, Just, you know. So people are aware. Uh, I don't know. So I'm really happy with what I spun. I fully plan on purchasing fiber from her again. And unless I find something different, I will, I'm thinking I will be getting yarn or yarn wool for spinning for my sweater. Oh, your big project. I think so because I love her. Her color combinations for me are just, they're stunning. I don't think I've seen one that I would be like, ugh. Right. (laughs) They're all good. Good. So anyway, I, if you're a spinner and you're looking for something you haven't seen yet, I would say check her out. Um, And that's Banshee Fiber Art on Etsy. So anyway. That's awesome. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So. Excellent. I think you've got a trip to take us on. Oh yeah. I threw this in. It's so funny. Cause <laughs> I'm I had so another, glad you did. I had another pattern in there that had a similar sort of feature to it. And I was like, and then I remembered about my own. This is how <laughs> my brain so is funny. so fried. Anyway, we're oh. talking about, um, my one and only one published design, <laughs> uh, which you can find on nitpicks is called the round trip scarf. And which is I awesome. put it in because I, used an adaptation of like a color melting technique, which is sort of a holding two yarns together thing. And actually, I didn't even know it was called that until I went digging around a little bit in my foraging. So listeners, now, you know, too, I was so glad to learn this term because then you really can search by this term, by the way. And I should, you know what, if I update this pattern, I should try to include that term so so people will find it. But anyway, color melting is essentially when, and think about those, um, like the Andrew Mowry fade mm-hmm. cardigan or those find your fade sort of remember the yes. trend of the mini skeins with find your fade. So color melting is when typically it's often in a lightweight yarn too, but it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. when you hold two yarns together in a different colors and then drop one and pick up one uh, as a way of blending shifts of blocks of color. So that's more of a fade. Yeah. Um, I hope yeah. I said that articulately. I got it. But, um, but anyway, but my round trip scarf is, uh, like a textural knit for two, two sort of sock weight skeins that you think would be fun to play with together. And then you basically hold one double, then you hold the two together in the middle and then you hold the other one double at the end. Um, and so I called it the round trip because to me, it was like a, like, you know, heading out sightseeing and getting back. (laughs) Yeah. And it has such a beautiful flow of color through it. So when you do this technique that you're describing, 
the way the color and in the yarns used for the sample, the patterning even just has this, it's organic, I guess it just, yeah. it flows beautifully. It makes sense. It's kind of like a watercolor blending effect. It's yeah. not choppy. It it's harmonious. Yes. I don't know. And I think it's really nice. And I think it's neat that you could take two, two, you know, hand dyed, maybe really variegated skeins that you just can't imagine together. Mm-hmm. But because of in the middle of the project, holding them together and then letting it naturally fall apart, it it does make it a way to bring them together. That's sort of surprising and and it can work. Yeah. So awesome. I love yeah. it. I know I forgot about my own thing. <laughs> I was like, oh, I could highlight my pattern. Heck yeah. Heck I love yeah. it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad you remembered. I know. I know. Oh it's easy gosh. to forget when you only have one. It's easy to forget. <laughs> That's all right. Someday I'll have time to try more. Yeah. All right. Talk all to me time. about this museum. I, this is so great. Yeah. So my next thing I wanted to recommend was the Motor Museum in Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Got to click on this. Very interestingly, I in my research for two-headed things, um, I was like, oh, I'm going to recommend the Mutter Museum. I'm, I was like, I'm sure they have some sort of two-headed thing. So I guess what I should tell people is the Mutter Museum is part of the College of Physicians of Philadelphia. Wow, that's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. Um, but they really, oh, how do I put this? without going on and on. No, here's what I'm going to, I'm just going to read what's on their website. So quote, the Mutter Museum helps the public appreciate the mysteries and beauty of the human body while understanding the history of diagnosis and treatment of disease. Mm -hmm. I couldn't say it any better. So um, that being said, I was like, oh, well, they've got to have something fascinating, I'm sure. And wouldn't you know, that on display now, they have Chang and Ang Bunker, who are the original, I don't know if this is right to say, but the original Siamese twins. I mean, they're the ones who coined that term because right. they were from Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, so they create, I believe they're the ones who actually created that term for themselves. Mm-hmm. And then it became used broadly. Anyway, right. the, they were conjoined twins who were born in uh, Siam in the 1800s. And they have a f- really fascinating life history. Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to get into it, but kind of mind-blowing. Wow. So here's here's the kicker. So I'm looking into all this stuff, the double-headed things. And I find this uh, at the Motor Museum not knowing it was going to be there. And it's right. on to, it's part of one of their current exhibitions. Wow. And the same day that I'm doing this, and this isn't like the phone and internet stalking me. <laughs> this is, right. I think, true and pure fascinating coincidence. I was listening to a podcast uh, called The Cabinet of Curiosities, mm-hmm. which is a podcast I listen to frequently. Yeah. And I had it just playing episodes I was backlogged on because they're like 10 minute episodes. They're really short. And what do you know comes on an episode about Chang and Ng? Wow. And 
it's killing me because I didn't write down the number episode. I'm going to try to find it. Okay. I couldn't find Pop it before it in we got in here. But um, I listened to the episode about them and it was a brief overview of their life history and mind blowing. Wow. Just. Oh, I want to hear it. Amazing. You got to um, get that in the show notes for us. I will find it. I I'm going to have to do some digging because a quick search, I couldn't find it, um, but it, it's there. I just don't know where. So anyway, I just thought that was kind of amazing. To that have is amazing. Had both of those things double trouble happen in one day. <laughs> like what? So cool. So crazy. That's great. Um, so anyway, I, I highly recommend visiting the Motor Museum um, just as a part of learning about just humans. Yeah. <laughs> really fascinating. Um, it might not be for everybody because, you know, body parts right. and skeletons aren't everybody's thing, but right. I, I think it's truly fascinating and really quite incredible what they have to offer. So anyway, so neat. I think you've got something else for us too. I do. I have one more. Um, and I picked this one for sort of like sentimental reasons almost. So I have this beautiful, I actually have the whole collection. It's called Free Spirit Knits. It's 20 knitted garments and accessories inspired by the Southwest by Anne Pottlesack. Awesome. And if you click on the specific pattern I wanted to share today, and these are, if you like Southwest colors and Southwest Mm -hmm. geometric patterns and stuff that I, there's some really beautiful things in here. Um, But the one in particular I wanted to share is a little tiny cowl, teeny tiny little thing called the Toltec Gorge Cowl. All right, let me it's a look at that one. Two color knit. It's a little neck warmer. It can't even be five or six inches high. Oh yeah. It's probably 16 Aww. inches to come. Friends, you just pull it over your head. In fact, uh, my husband's been using it lately as an ear warmer. So it's that, that Malabrigo? It is. It's in Malabrigo mm-hmm. yarn. Oh, it's I could tell. Oh, um, yeah. But the reason why I picked it is because this was the pattern I selected for myself as my goal project to knit with two hands. <gasps> so That's I so wanted good. to give people, <laughs> um, just to let people know, and we can do a whole episode on this another time, but, yeah. um, I'm an American knitter and a thrower and I have, you know, always have been, and I do, I am now able to very confidently knit continental with my left hand. Yeah. Um, I, it is not my go-to. I only do that when I'm carrying two colors for two mm-hmm. color stranded color work, but I have really become accomplished in it. Awesome. I have, um, our dear friend, Janet of knit and pearls to thank mm-hmm. for a class I took on learning to knit continental so Excellent. that I could use two hands, but I wanted to recommend this because we're talking about like 125 to 150 yard pattern. Mm-hmm. It's one size. The thing is like five, you know, five inches tall, maybe 16 or 17 circumference. It's so small, yeah. but it is a satisfying two color color work chart. You it's so small. You can go ahead and splurge on a really luxurious yarn. Yes. And this is the kind of thing you should be choosing. If you're trying to discipline yourself to do a practice project with something really challenging like that. So um, learning, learning to knit with two hands is not ever going to feel natural or easy to the person at whatever <laughs> hand you're adding, it's going to feel terrible Yeah. Um, yeah. at first. And I just think this is such a bite-sized, lovely outcome 
project that it's a yeah. really good way to get yourself to do it. You know? Yeah. I love um, that. So I wanted to recommend that in the theme of doubles, that if you want to have an ambidextrous knitting moment, <laughs> um, <laughs> which if is not good if you can do it. Yeah. And if not, yeah. if not this pattern, then something like it, I just can't encourage people enough, like no shaping, mm-hmm. no, this, no, that, <laughs> you know, just you're, it's going to slow you down. Um, mm-hmm. but you will get, you'll have that joy of a beginning middle and end experience with a project, even that's really hard for you if you choose yeah. something like this. And so this is my, I have a real nostalgia for this one just because it's the Aww. one that got me through it. So, I love that. Yeah. Oh, and I'm cool. so grateful to have that skill. So I, I really recommend that to folks. Excellent. Yeah. Well, yep. get knitting with two hands, people. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh here's the well, origami you were talking about. Yes. So this is the our last bit of foraging for today. And mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with oh, sorry, I have my audio on. Um it has nothing to do with knitting or crochet or any of that. It has everything to do with doubles. <laughs> Love it. It's a YouTube video, and you can follow along to make a two-headed origami <laughs> dragon. So awesome. And <laughs> I love it. It is. I So I watched this video, and I, I need to get a piece of paper yeah. correctly sized to make one myself. I love origami, by the way. Um, yeah. And, like, it cool. is it's very amazing. Intricate. It's really <laughs> like, neat. Uh, if you want to just jump ahead to the end, you can see the finished dra- two-headed dragon, Neat. but it blows me away that somebody figured out how to make an origami two-headed dragon with one sheet of paper. I mean, origami blows me away anyway. That's cool. But, um, that counts as a fiber art. Yeah, paper. I guess so. It's paper. It is. But it. that was That's just cool. too cool not to include. And Good. I'm glad you did. I, I thought it was really fun. A nice change of pace. Um, anyway, and if you're like me and you like to watch YouTube videos, which is terribly addicting, uh, that's a fun one to enjoy. So nice. anyway, yeah. Great. Well, looks like oh. we're almost done. Oh, we have our curious uh, and curiouser. Yes. Do you want to talk briefly about our, our little play date? Yeah. So... We took a field trip for the first <laughs> time ever. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. I feel like oh. I've been stuck in my house for a year. Uh, you have been. <laughs> I've got you out. Of you don't feel like that. That is your dodge. truth. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Um, so Amy and I caravaned mm-hmm. to you and you. So bah, you and yes. you like you and me. Right. Yarn shop. Um, I shoot i didn't write down where are they located? it's in windsor connecticut windsor and adorable yeah lovely quaint, tiny little shop mm-hmm. chock full of delicious delights for the fiber lover <laughs> i know um and i have to say they had some really interesting things that i hadn't seen elsewhere mm-hmm. uh fibers tools and books so that was really nice and surprising. I didn't really know what to expect, mm-hmm. to be honest. I did a quick look on their website before we went, but I didn't really dive deep into what they had to offer. Um, lots of samples available to check things out. And uh, my haul included two 
small things that I was beyond thrilled with though. So I'm just going to, I have those here. That I was just going to share. Sure. Uh, the furled uh, yes. crochet mm-hmm. hook, which I have only seen these online and have really wanted to get one, but I was also like, I don't want to spend that much money and then not like it. Right. So they had some at the shop. I tried it out and I was like, yes. Nice. <laughs> so I got this one. Um, this is a four and a half millimeter and they're like an ergonomic crochet hook. They have a large handle mm-hmm. and really it does make such a difference. I just have done little swatches with this so far. I haven't had time to do a full project. Mm-hmm. And I was just trying to find the color. Yeah. So this, they're all different colors and they have different materials. This one is an acrylic one. So that was one thing that I was really surprised by. I typically prefer wood. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, the shop owner, I was talking to her about them and I asked, Oh, do you have more wood sizes? Cause I couldn't find any. And she was saying, yes, but you know, you really should like consider other weights, even if you like wood or other, uh, materials. And I, in my head, I was like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then I was like, yes, I will try. So I tried the wood and I tried the acrylic. I did not try the metal cause I don't want metal, mm-hmm. another metal crochet hook. And I was really surprised. The wood one, although I loved how it felt, it was so light. Yeah. That feeling like I was holding almost nothing. Yeah, it didn't feel substantial enough. Bleh. Yeah. Huh. So the acrylic so, was good. So I tried the acrylic too. And I, I mean, normally I would not choose to do this. I really liked how it felt and I mean it functions just like the wood one would Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it felt like the weight of it it's not heavy by any means but I can feel it in my hand that's great and it's beautiful it's got this like marble marbled look green and yellow coloring um so that surprised me I'm not gonna lie and Next time a shop owner gives you a recommendation and you have an opportunity to test it out in their shop before you buy it, I yeah, highly recommend it because it. you may be surprised like me and yeah. make a different choice than what you thought. That's great. Um, That's great. And then the only other thing I purchased, I didn't buy any yarn, which I just, I decided, I think we talked about this. I need to like have a project in mind. Mm-hmm before going back because they had a handful of yarns that I was like, Oh, I've never seen this anywhere else. I want this, but I need a project. Yeah. I didn't want to just buy one skein at the time. So anyway, but the other thing I got was, um, a Tunisian crochet hook. This is the knitters pride dreams. And the reason I purchased just one (laughs) It's from, it's for an interchangeable set. Right. I already have a full set of interchangeable Tunisian hooks, but I have really wanted to try getting two of the same size ends Yeah. to join them for circular yes. Tunisian crochet because yeah. so you, you need, need a that. hook at both ends. Right. Um, and I do have one other Tunisian crochet hook that is double-ended, but it's really tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, long story short, I haven't even had an opportunity to try it out yet because I yep. just 
had too many other things to work on, but I'm really excited because if this works, I now know where I can go to get them because believe it or not, this They're is hard, hard to, to find. find. They are hard to find. Um, yep. You can Good get them you. online, but I didn't want to, again, just like with the furls, I was like, I don't really want to pay for the shipping and the extra stuff if I'm not sure I'm going to really love this. And I would rather right. support a local yarn shop. Of course. Yeah. And nothing wrong with buying online, but right now that I know you and you has them and if I like how it functions, you'll I'll be, be back. back. Yeah. That's great. Good review. So love it. Yeah. And yeah. you got some really awesome stuff. I did. So, and I, before I talk about it, I just wanted to say that, um, I wonder if that's even nearby. What the heck did I do with it? But anyway, <laughs> um, Rachel, the owner of you and you, she is a crocheter herself. That's her preferred, um, construction technique. So mm -hmm. I think that's interesting because it just seems like crochet and crocheters are often not as represented in the local yarn shop sometimes. So I would seems, agree with you. Uh, so it's yeah. really nice. I found that in her shop, there was a really wide selection of really cute, like amigurumi crochet books. Yes. Yeah. Oh, she had some really good books. Yeah. And the fact that you found yeah. your interchangeable hooks there. I mean, that says a lot, yeah. right? Yep. Um, so I, it's not near me. So I, I can't say, I think it's universal yarn, universal yarn company. I picked up a little kit to make a doll, a little. Oh yes. Sheldon. I remember this. Yes. Yeah, so it was, uh, it's called Sheldon, the sheep. It's just so a pattern cute. and two skeins of natural undyed yarn to make a little doll. And what's fun about this little stuffy is that he has knit limbs and a knit face, but he has a crocheted bobble body. Awesome. So I am intending to get my crochet on at least a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. so that I, uh, <laughs> will make a toy. And in fact, that's one of my knitting goals this month is to make at least one small knitted toy. Um, you can and do it. Sheldon, the sheep is hanging out, waiting for me to do it with crochet also. And then my it. other find was, uh, on my wish list for a long time now has been the Arna and Carlos field guide to knitted birds. Yeah. Look, I have wanted that for a long time. I just haven't gotten around to splurge, splurging on it yet. It's and, so good. <laughs> we had it in hardback on the shelf. And once I paged through in person, those mm -hmm. glorious photos. Um, I had to have it. And the other thing I want to say about that book is that the basic construction of those knitted birds is the same, mm -hmm. uh, which I really appreciate. So the foundational pattern of those toys is the same. And mm -hmm. then they change shaping in the tail or the different embroidery, or maybe a little bit in Tarja here, yeah. um, or an accessory there. And so all those beautiful different birds that are knitted, I really appreciate that the foundational technique of their bird that they use is the same. And then, you know, innovated and embellished throughout the book. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. That's really brilliant. So and you can master it and then, uh, grow through the book yes. by making more and more and increase your practice with it. So I'm looking forward, maybe my, my knitted toy, since I'm determined yes. to make a, uh, knitted sculpture or some sort of, 3D. that would be excellent. And those maybe are, I'll make a birdie. Those are bite size. Yes. And like it's spring. very achievable. Definitely birdie time. Right. Yes. Oh my yeah. gosh. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Love it. That, awesome. and that book, I flipped through it and I will be getting myself a copy next time we visit, assuming yeah. she has, uh, some left. And I, on that note of books, I want to say she had a really interesting selection of books that I haven't seen other places. Yeah. Which she had was good really ones. refreshing. That was yeah. nice. I thought 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. wonderful. Well, two heads are better than one. <laughs> You're the best. You are the best. That's our ever after. Oh my quote. Gosh. I love it. Yep. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, next up, we will do our last of our March multiples mini series. So our final episode of the month will be, of course, not singles, not doubles, but triples so triples and triplets that's coming up in our last one so look forward to that but so long for now as it's time for us to return to the woods to forage some more but we'll be back soon with more stories and stitching until we meet again happy Happy stitching. stitching